0: John chapter 10 is where we are um, this morning. And in John chapter 10, this is a really pivotal chapter in this book. Jesus is really, again, we've been saying, he's really kind of focusing in on who he is. But he's focusing in more too on a question that he's putting to us and to the readers and to the listeners. And he's asking, who do you follow? Because Jesus understands something fundamentally about life. And you've known this experientially. But who you follow determines how you behave. It determines how you show up in the world. It can impact your identity and it can impact your activity. Who you follow determines how you show up in the world. And if you can't see it in yourself, you've at least seen it in other people. Have you ever had somebody reach out to you on social media uh, and you're not quite sure who they are? So you kind of do a little bit of like investigative, like spy work. And so you go to see who they follow. So before you follow them, you want to see who they follow. No one's going to own up to this, but that's what you do, um, and the reason you do that is because you understand this principle that who a person follows really kind of determines the kind of person that they are, and Jesus really specifically uh, in this chapter is talking about a voice that we follow, and all of us, we have a particular voice in our life uh, that we follow. It could be a, it could be a political voice. It could be a professional voice. It could be a, a religious voice might be a celebrity voice or an influencer voice, but we have these different voices in our lives and in our world uh, that we all follow. And what John 10 is pushing us towards is when that new voice enters into our life, are we asking the question, does this voice lead me uh, closer to the good shepherd? Does the voice that I'm following, uh, does it actually offer itself for my good? Or is it a voice that's going to steal or kill or destroy or take from me? We talked about that last week in John 10. And this whole chapter uh, really hinges on hearing the good shepherd who is Jesus rightly Are we hearing the good shepherd rightly? So let's stop real quick and just ask God to help us that we would, in fact, hear from him this morning. So would you just uh, pray with me? Father in heaven, thank you for this moment that we've had together. God, I thank you for the beautiful truth that we just sang. And it was amazing to hear this whole room just kind of filled with the sound of your gospel, this good news of who you are and what you've done. And I know there's people in this room and people who are watching or listening online who they've known that truth for a long time. And there's other people in the room where what we just sang is, is brand new to them. And God, um, I am trusting that you um, are going to speak to everybody who's on that spectrum in this moment. And God, I just want to confess that I know that that um, is not determined by me and any kind of skill or ability um, that I might have. It's wholly dependent on your spirit. So Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you move with freedom and move with power? And would you draw us to the Son, Jesus? And Jesus, would you show us the love of the Father that we just sang about? God, as we talk about this voice, we want to hear clearly. But we have to acknowledge um, all the other voices and all the other noise. And so, God, I'm just asking in your mercy and by your grace that you would silence the other voices Silence the internal voices and the external voices, God. That we'd hear clearly from you. I want to invite you, if you're in the room or if you're watching online, to just take a minute. Um, and even if you're not a person who prays a lot, would you just? Uh, I just want to invite you to simply just pray this, this simple prayer, and just ask God to help you to hear His voice. Just that. Just say, God, in the next moments here. Um, Would you just drown out all the distractions? And God, just let me hear clearly from you. Just pray that right now. God, I pray that um, for myself right now. And God, even though I'll be the one doing the talking, I'm, I'm praying, God, that I'm hearing from you. And so, Father, would you just speak to me? Jesus, let me hear uh, your voice in this moment. I love you, and it's in the powerful name of Jesus that I'm asking these things. Amen. I don't know um, how much you know about penguins, if we got any professionals in the room. Um, I don't even know what that person's called, penguinologist. That's probably not right. And I'm not talking about penguins of Madagascar, although, respect, it's a great movie, but um, I'm talking about like actual actual penguins. Something that's fascinating about penguins um, is how well they can actually understand each other. So when the male and the female penguin come together, they have a little chick. The female lays an egg and then leaves it with the father, um, so that he sits with the egg. And and sh- the female, the mama penguin, can leave for like up to two months and she goes on a 120-mile round-trip waddle to go get food for uh, the baby chick and bring it back once the chick hatches as the father is, like, sitting on the egg waiting for the chick to hatch. So if you've ever had your wife tell you she's just going to run to Target real quick, she'll be right back, you kind of know how this dude feels. (laughs) So two months goes by, and she comes back, and, and when you see this, seen happen uh, there are thousands of daddy penguins all kind of huddled together with their chicks that are at their feet that have hatched Uh, and I don't know if you know a lot about penguins but penguins all kind of like look the same and so the mama penguin as they're coming coming back to where all these daddy penguins are with their chicks they have to be able to go to like their their uh Daddy penguin and their baby that they've not met yet and take them food. And so it's kind of a impossible task, except God's created him in such a way that the female penguin uh, is able to pick up on a sound that the dad penguin is making. So there's thousands of penguins and the mama penguin is able to pick up on the sound of her baby daddy penguin, and go to that chick and take them the the food she's able to navigate based on a voice, based on a sound, that's how she finds her family. And what Jesus is saying in John 10 is that his voice as the shepherd is so unique that only one true family will hear it, and the result is they will follow him. And Jesus has come onto the scene here, and he's saying, very truly, which means I'm telling you the truest truth because the religious leaders are doing everything they can in this moment to silence the message of Jesus and combat the message of Jesus, they're telling people not to follow Jesus. So Jesus is bringing this truth against the lies of these religious leaders. And he's using a series of metaphors to illustrate this to people. And he's teaching and he's showing people who he is the true gate. He is the way that you enter into a relationship with God and how he is the good shepherd. There's three truths that we're going to see through. Our text this morning about the good shepherd who is Jesus. Three truths that we're going to see are this one, the good shepherd saves his sheep. The good shepherd saves his sheep. Second, the good shepherd secures his sheep. The good shepherd secures his sheep. And then lastly, the good shepherd shows the sheep the Father. The good shepherd shows the sheep the Father. Uh, John chapter 10, look at verse 22. This is what Jordan read for us just a moment ago. It says this, then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. So this is also Hanukkah. Um, It was winter and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. So Jesus comes to this festival of dedication, Hanukkah. It's the only mention of this feast in the Bible actually. And the reason is, is that this feast was established uh, in the time after the Old Testament was written, but before the New Testament was written. Uh, it's the festival where the Jews celebrated the rededication and rebuilding of the temple after it had been destroyed and desecrated. And Jesus is showing up as the new temple. He'll describe himself as that in person, in their midst, explaining to them um, how their renewal is is actually realized. In fact, the Hebrew meaning of the, of the word Hanukkah is, is renewal. And so Jesus is here. It's wintertime. He's walking in the colonnade. He's teaching during the celebration of Hanukkah. And they ask Jesus a question in verse 24. They say to him, the Jews who were there gather around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now, when they ask, how long are you going to keep us in suspense, they're actually very annoyed with Jesus because they feel like he's really dragging his whole presentation on who he is out. And they're not asking him because they are eagerly desiring to worship him or even to follow him. They're, they want to condemn him and they want to crucify him. Their whole plan as religious leaders is to try to work and try to, try to trap Jesus so that they can ultimately kill him. Look at verse 25. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. And the works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. Now, he doesn't really come out and say, I am the Messiah point blank there and, and there's two reasons one is politically and another is religious politically um, it, it's really too too dangerous plus it's not why Jesus is here we've already seen in this gospel that the people have tried to force him and make him into into their kind of political king and Jesus is like that's not the whole, that's not the reason that I'm here we've already he's already made that clear religiously um, it's too easily misunderstood and too easily manipulated by religious so like religious people kind of have a knack for manipulating things uh, to condemn Jesus. And so he say, he's not going to answer like that. But he has said, he's like, listen, I have been saying through my words and I've been saying through the things that I've been doing that I am the promised and anticipated Messiah. And there, and these religious leaders, they don't see it. They, they don't want to see it. And, and they can't see it. And what Jesus is showing us here. Is that he always gives just enough of himself to make faith possible, and yet he always hides just enough of himself to make faith necessary. So he reveals just enough of himself to make faith uh, possible, but hides just enough of himself to make faith necessary. And he's saying, Look, I don't need to tell you who I am anymore because my works, the things that I do, the way that I walk around and show up in the world, it speaks for itself. And then he gets really pointed with him. He said, the reason that you don't know who I am is because you're not one of my sheep. So how can you tell if you're not one of the sheep that belongs to the good shepherd? And this is the point of this whole chapter. This is what Jesus is driving to. And the answer is found in verse 27. The whole chapter hangs on a big if that's found in verse 27. He says, my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow me my sheep listen to my voice I know them and they follow That's it That's the way How do I get on board with a good shepherd how, how do I how do I know it's really that simple You listen to his voice you know that he knows you and that's why you listen and that's why you follow you listen to the voice and then you follow the voice and when you do, he leads you into the good pasture. We looked at that last week and he leads you into everlasting life, this abundant life that only he can provide. And so the opposite must be true. If you don't hear his voice, you must not be a sheep. A true sheep hear the shepherd's voice and they keep running. False sheep, they can't hear it. In fact, they reject it. And so Jesus in the midst has just dropped a major theological truth on these people. It's not that you hear his voice and become sheep, it's that you can hear his voice because you already are his sheep. He's teaching here this doctrine of sovereign election. And the Apostle Paul would expound on this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. And let me explain that. Look at verse 28. He says this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father am one. What Jesus is doing here is he's laying out the pattern or he's laying out the characteristics of what his sheep are like. He's saying, I am the good shepherd. I am the one that saves my sheep. And if you are one of my sheep, this is what it looks like. So he said, first, there are people who, first and fundamentally, they listen to the voice of Jesus. They are Jesus listeners. They they listen and they seek to listen more. They lean into and they hang on to the voice of God. The voice of God is the driving force in their life. That's the first characteristic of one of the sheep. Next, they are a people who get to know Jesus experientially. They don't just listen. They have an experience of a relationship with Jesus. They, they talk to Jesus. And good relationships, you know this, they follow this pattern. You listen well to one another, and what proceeds is that we get to know each other better. This applies uh, to our life with God, but also to our life with one another. Christians who are listening to Jesus should be good listeners to one another, which is really needed in our world at this time to be able to truly listen to one another, to to listen to each other, to learn, and to love each other. Next, they are people who walk with and follow Jesus. The better a conversation is, the more that a friendship starts to grow and starts to proceed. And and in fact the Greek idea of following here is that there's a companionship. There's a there's a walking around with. So how amazing is this that Jesus comes and gives this invitation. First of all, he's calling out with his voice. If you listen to his voice, you hear it and you follow he says now I want to have this relationship with you. I want you to be walking around with you. I don't know if you get excited about that, but the creator of the universe wants to have that kind of relationship with you kind of a big deal to me, but you'll get over it. You know, you'll, you'll latch on. There are people who receive deep, lasting life from Jesus. It's the longing of every human soul to be fully and truly known, like really known, like somebody knows all the stuff about you. And for you um, to fully know your Creator. And lastly, they are a people who have the assurance of a security of being forever safe in the grip of Jesus. This is an amazing doctrine. It's the theological reality of the preservation of believers. Plainly said, it's the security of our relationship with God. The early church fathers in the Heidelberg Catechism said it this way, what is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer is this, that I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own life has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil, that he protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that all things must serve his will for my Savior. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of salvation and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Another commentator said it this way. It's one of the most precious things about the Christian faith that our continuance in eternal life, listen to this, does not depend on our feeble hold on Christ but on his firm grip on us. This passage is not teaching that believers are saved from all earthly disasters. Uh, That's not what it's teaching. But it's teaching that they'll be saved no matter what disaster they encounter. And what Jesus is doing here for the listeners and for the readers and for us this morning is he's giving both a warning and he's giving assurance Now, understand the context and why Jesus has to speak like this here. And we're not going to get into it right now, but if you're writing down notes, you can just write down Ezekiel chapter 34. Ezekiel 34 um, is is God talking about these shepherds or these leaders that he's put in place for his people. uh, And the way that they've fleeced the people that God has given them. He appointed these leaders over Israel these human shepherds who were supposed to be caring for God's sheep uh, but instead they're fleecing these sheep uh, to feed themselves and as a result these leaders that, that these shepherds that God put in place to lead people to him are actually leading people away from him and these shepherds were creating these man-made fences so that they could be the ones who determine who's in God's family and who's not. And they are taking the authority to say, listen, if you want to be in God's family, follow us. And they're actually teaching, if you follow Jesus, you won't be in God's family. So Jesus cannot let this stand. He has to go after his sheep, and he has to confront these religious leaders. And so he introduces here this doctrine of election, not to be cruel, but to confront and rebuke the cruelty of religious leaders and a cruel religion that says you must earn your way into the, sheep, into the sheepfold. And he corrects them by saying, listen, you don't get to determine who's in God's family. God gets to determine that, and he already has determined that. So the reason that these people over here are hearing my voice and that they want to follow me is because they're already mine. So he's shutting down the conversation and bringing truth to light. And Jesus is teaching this to invite and to call forth true faith. If you hear his voice, it proves that you're his. And if you're his, you're secure for eternity. When the true sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and go through the gate of Jesus, the shepherd promises that those who are his can never be snatched away. And the security of the sheep is not rooted in what they do, what they earn through their works, Your security as a true sheep is rooted in who you hear. The the one who has saved you and redeemed you apart from what you have done by his grace alone, his unmerited, unearned favor on your life, the super abundance of God himself in your life alone to come and to get you and to rescue you and to redeem you. And once you are his, what Jesus is teaching right here, once you are his, there is no robber. There is no thief. There is no wolf who can snatch you from his hand. You are his for eternity. The world will tell you um, that your life is to be ruled by either fear or consumerism. And, and here's what I mean by that. The world will tell you that the two ways that you are to navigate or to go through life by uh, asking the questions of like, Well, what might I lose or what might I get? And so just think about that. As you're making decisions, you're going through life, the way that you determine what you're going to do is based on fear or consumerism. Well, what could I lose or what could I get? And you vacillate back and forth. You want to know why we're such an angst-ridden, anxiety-ridden, stressed-out world and society? Is because we're constantly vacillating between, well, what could I lose or what could I get? Or what could I lose or what might I get? And this truth teaches us here, you don't have to live like that. How many of you would like just freedom from that, like today? Like I could leave today and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to lose and I don't have to worry about what I'm going to try to get and strive, right? Uh, Peter writes in 1st Peter to a persecuted church. I mean they're having a really tough time. And he writes to them in essence he says listen, don't fear what they fear. Don't live like the world. Don't don't live by a fear of what you're going to lose. And don't live according to the anxiety of like well, I've, I need to get it because the father is sovereign over all things. No one has the authority to take from him what is already his. And then the greatest eternal game of Rover, Red Rover. Christian, you got to come over. That was, doesn't mean to be so corny, but that came out like a big can of corn right there. And if you heard his voice and you come over, he keeps you for all of eternity. The father cannot lose you. Once he has you. Let me read Romans 8. This is one of the most beautiful passages in all of scripture. What shall we say about wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Don't be afraid of what you're going to lose. Don't stress over everything you think you have to have. Who dares accuse us Whom God has chosen for his own. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. I know you got a lot of people in your life saying things about you. I know there's a lot of things in your past that you regret. I know there's a reputation that you have. But who's going to accuse those who God has chosen for himself? God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? Rhetorical question. No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. You have the greatest advocate in all of human history. In fact, in all of time, you have the greatest advocate ever pleading for you if you're one of his sheep. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Paul quotes the scripture. He says, he says, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things that will happen, that can happen, overwhelming victory. What kind of victory? Victory. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And and, and this is what I love about Paul. Uh, Paul's not like just like a blind optimist. He's a realist because to Paul, uh, he saw the resurrected Jesus. And so the resurrection is the realest thing in the world for Paul. And so he said, based on how real that is, I'm a realist through and through. The resurrection's real. And he says, listen, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor our fears today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from love, from, from God's love nor power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation, in case you're sitting there and you've got something else you thought of. He says, no, nothing will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Jesus, and we're just about done here, he ends this little sermonette in John 10 with this very controversial truth. He says in verse 30, he says, I and the Father am one. If they didn't want to kill him before, they'd definitely want to kill him now. Jesus is talking about the strong grip that he has on his people and the strong grip the Father has on his people. So Jesus is saying here, the Father and I, get this, the Father and I are one great grip. The strong grip of Jesus and the Father holds the life of the Jesus follower. Jesus has the authority to save and to secure because he is one with God. What John is teaching us here um, is the way to the Father. He says, do you want to know God the Father? Look at Jesus. Do you want to know what the will of God is? Listen to Jesus. Do you want to know the love of God? See it in the person of Jesus. Do you, want to, do you want life with God? Listen to the voice and walk with Jesus. Jesus is saying we are one in the same. We are distinct persons but one God. The reality of who God is has been explained and revealed and known and grasped and made available through the physical and literal present Jesus. And here he's talking specifically to the unified will and work of God between the Father and the Son to bring about redemption and security for lost sheep. He said they're working together in this. And he says this, and the Jews have just had enough. Listen to what they say, and we're just about done here. He says this again, as Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Verse 33, we're not stoning you for any good work, they ex- replied, but for blasphemy because you, a mere man, claim to be God. They don't see Jesus for who he is, but they don't miss us, misunderstand what he, who he's claiming to be. They get what he's saying. Like, we're hearing you loud and clear, Jesus, but we do not accept what you are saying. And Jesus, I love it here because he kind of maintains his sense of humor. He's like, he's like um, for which of all the great things I've done for people, like helping them, the grace and the mercy and the love that I've extended, which one of those things exactly? Like, is it the healings? Is it the feeding? Which one exactly are you going to try to stone me for? Just so I'm clear, as you're about to heap rocks on me, I'd like to know which one of those things. And they're saying, listen, it's not, it's not for the works. But it's because you are a mere man and you claim to be God. For a man to claim to be one with God was just unthinkable. This is the great miracle of Christ, the miracle of incarnation, this entering into. Jesus is fully God and is utterly and overtly holy, yet also fully man and completely human. And Christians believe that the divinity of Christ is fully present in the person of Jesus, although veiled in flesh. But because of his incarnation, people can identify with Jesus. He's the suffering servant, the suffering savior. He is a man, but he simultaneously has the power to save since he's also fully God. And the irony is that Jesus isn't a man who made himself to be God. He's God who became man without ceasing to be God. And the truth of the gospel, the glory and the beauty of this good news that we sing about and that we preach here is that Jesus left heaven to endure the miseries of this life and to willingly take the guilt of human sin upon himself bearing the brunt of God's wrath on the cross, and in exchange for our sin, he took on our rebellion, took on our sin, took on our evilness, and in exchange, he offers his righteousness, his rightness, but they get it backwards because false sheep can't hear the voice. Verse 34, it says this, Jesus answered them, it's not written in your law, I've said you are gods, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside. What about the one whom the father set apart at his very own and sent into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy because I said I am God's son? Do not believe me unless I do the works of my father. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. Jesus is quoting here from Psalm 82, and Psalm 82 is a song written by a man named Asaph, and Asaph is writing about those who've been given authority to judge rightly uh, and to judge justly. Any leader in power has been put in place because of God's mercy and God's grace, and their job is to judge justly, and, and Asaph describes them as lowercase g gods because they have this authority, and Jesus is saying, listen, they were given that title, and nobody tried to kill them. How much more right do I have as a uppercase G God? And then the chapter ends and Jesus escapes and he goes to another part to minister to sheep to hear his voice. And so what Jesus is saying in John 10, I am the good shepherd and I've come to rescue my sheep and bring them in and make them mine forever. And no one and no thing will ever be able to steal them from my hand. And the way that you will know that you are mine is that you'll hear my voice and you'll come running Because that's what my sheep do. They hear me and they follow. So what does that mean for us as we close who follow Jesus? The first thing is we have to be immersed in the word. We have to be immersed in the word. If you're you're a Christian, if you're one of the sheep here, you have to be immersed in the word. How do you know when it's God's voice and not just what I think might be God's voice? You ever have that moment in life? Like, God, how do I know if this is... If this is you or if this is just like me wanting it to be you. And the way that we know is through the word. We, through God's word is how we know the voice of God. Uh, Leslie Newbegin says this, A true theology, that is to say a true word about God, begins with He, with him who is himself God's word. If you want to know a true word from God, start with God's word. You have to soak in the word of God to the degree that you know God's word is the degree that you know and hear the voice of the shepherd. So first, you have to be immersed in God's word. Second thing that has to be true is we have to submit to the spirit. We have to be acquainted with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and 16, we're going to get to in both places, Jesus says, I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the the spirit of truth who will lead you into all truth. What Jesus is teaching is we have a companion, the Holy Spirit, who will lead you to remember and understand the voice of God in the midst of everything that's going on. So you need to ask for the Holy Spirit. You need to ask that God, by His Spirit, would teach you and speak to you and help you to illuminate His Word. The the third thing that has to happen is that at some point, you have to resist the voice of the enemy. At, At some point... You have to resist the voice of the enemy. You've got to realize there are competing voices in your life. There's only one true voice, but it doesn't mean it's the only voice that's out there. And at some point, you have to resist the voice of the, of the enemy. Jesus says, they listen to my voice, they just don't hear it. It's like if you've got kids, you understand there's sometimes um, where kids listen and sometimes kids hear. Sometimes they actually listen to what you're saying. Sometimes they hear you, but they ain't listening, right? And as a father, my job is to give voice that instructs them, that pulls them away from distractions and from destruction in life. And if I'm going to be a good father, I need to speak those things. And if they're going to be good kids, (laughs) they need to listen, not just here and there has to be a point where we resist the enemy that's compete these competing voices and there's so many that want to steal from you that want to kill that want to destroy and lastly you got to be around other sheep there is this um kind of prevailing thought that's out there it's kind of a popular thought that's kind of out there um that you don't have to be part of a church to follow god and I always wonder when someone says something like that to me, like kind of where that line of thinking or where that reasoning is ultimately going to end up. I, I know where it starts. You know, I got really disappointed by this church. I got really let down by that pastor. And, and I, I get it. I totally get it. I mean, look around. Look, if you were leading this church, what kind of shape would we be in right now, right? So I get it because we're all flawed. And at some point, like in some level, we're all a mess. So I'm not shocked. I'm not surprised that people get let down by a church or people get let down by a pastor. But I don't buy the fact that it leads us to a conclusion that says, well, I'm just going to love God my own way and worship my own way. And I'm just going to do it all by myself. And here's why. Because God says there's a flock. And flocks don't do things alone. Sheep don't do things alone. They're committed to each other. A big part of listening and following the shepherd is the sheep around us who are listening to the same voice, following the same way. It's the people who are in your corner when the voice of the thief starts to creep in and you need to be reminded of the voice of the shepherd. And if you're trying to do this on your own outside of a flock, it's not going to work. Because we are sheep who belong to a great shepherd who has placed us in a great flock called the church. As chapter 10 closes, um, there's a lot at stake here. And I'm not trying to be dramatic. I just want to say what the scripture says. There's, there's an eternal uh, weight at stake here because you've got to get the gate right. When he says there's only one gate that leads to salvation, it's true. Jesus is that gate. And then this morning, um, you want to listen to the right voice. There's multiple voices, multiple choices. (laughs) Listen to and follow the voice that leads to life. And Jesus is that voice. And so the question is, when it comes to the voices in your life right now, What voices are demanding your allegiance? What voices are demanding your affection? What voices are demanding your life? And only you will know what those voices are. What voices are calling you to follow them into some promise of a pasture, promise of something that's gonna satisfy you? And consider for a moment the authority and the real power that those voices have to make good on their promises. Consider how those voices have let you down before. Consider where those voices have led you before. Because at this point in your life, it's not the first time you've heard that voice and it's not the first time you've followed that voice. So just consider where those voices have taken you before. And ask yourself, do I really want to go down that path again? Consider the voice of Jesus, the voice who offers abundant and eternal life now and forever. Consider him choosing you in the midst of your rebellion against him, him calling you, him speaking out to you into salvation and security that's found in him. Consider the life of the shepherd who laid down his life for you so that you can have life with him abundantly forever do you hear the voice of the shepherd do you hear him calling are you willing to follow can you hear his voice if so the invitation is to follow this morning let's pray father thank you for your word this morning god thank you for your voice that you're speaking even right now and god um just as I imagine the tension in this moment, um, when you are saying this to these religious leaders, God, I know there's a there's a tension in this moment uh, here in this room and even online, God, where you are speaking to people and you are calling them out. You're calling them out into a green pasture with you, but God, they have to have the the faith to trust your voice and. God, that is supplied only by you. So by your spirit right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you give the faith needed to trust your voice? And God, I am praying, I'm praying right now, even this morning, God, that people are hearing your voice maybe for the first time. And maybe for the first time right now, God, people are going to respond to you as their great shepherd who leads them, who guides them, who sustains them, who feeds them, who cares for them, who died for them. And so God, I'm asking that your voice would be loud and clear above all the other voices. God, I'm praying for the people who are here this morning. They just come in weary and worn out and beat up because of all the other voices that they've been following. The voice that says, if you want to be enough, you better do this. If you want real life, you better earn this. Don't be, af- be afraid of what you're gonna lose. God, all the other competing voices, and God, I just pray that you just cut through that right now, and God, that they would hear your voice, the voice of the shepherd says, just come home. Come home and find rest in me. It's not about what you have done. It's not about what you do. It's about what I've done on your behalf. So God, I just pray that they'd hear your voice and they'd come home. Jesus, we love you.